Welcome to Effortless Swimming, the podcast for swimmers, triathletes, and coaches. Join Australian swim coach Brenton Ford as he reveals the latest techniques and information to improve your swimming. Let's dive right in. Hi, Brenton Ford here. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming podcast. My guest today is an athlete who came along to one of our freestyle clinics in Melbourne not too long ago, and his name is Christian Swatzler. And Christian is an author, a corporate coach, and also a speaker, and he's an expert in the power of choice. And the reason Christian has got all these titles is because he came from weighing 135 kilos five years ago, and is now down to around 75 kilos, which is around about his, his race weight. So in the space of five years, he lost 60 kilos as a result of changing his lifestyle, changing his diet and exercise and uh, really just turning things around for himself, as you'll find out in this podcast. So let's get into it. This is Christian Schweitzer. He is a triathlete uh, in Melbourne. He just finished the Melbourne Ironman recently, and he's training uh, for another race in Zurich coming up this year. And uh, it's it's really good to go into what motivated him to turn around and lose the weight and um, really completely change everything he was doing. So here's Christian introducing himself as how he got started in triathlon. Um, essentially, I got started in triathlon because uh, the company I was working for um, asked me if I wanted to do it. I was very big and fat, but I am um, suffered from the Marty McFly affliction and uh, decided I'd better take on the challenge, being the oldest and fattest in the company to do it, and got into one of the corporate, what was then the BRW triathlon, um, for the, which was organized by the Super Sprint people. So that's what first got me into it. And around that time, my tri-club also happened to put a flyer in my letterbox, um, giving away a month's worth of multi-sport for free uh, in conjunction with the gym membership, which was at Yarra Tri. And from then on, I suppose I got hooked. Did you have any any hesitations going into your first try being, being 100 plus kilos and um, quite overweight. Was there anything that any sort of doubts in the back of your mind as to you know is this do I really want to put myself out there and and do this and get started on this kind of journey? Like what what was going through your head? Oh, fear was a major major factor. I mean, I before this and before doing Ironman, I had a morbid, almost pathological fear of open water. I almost drowned once. So for me to actually think about swimming in the sea, I mean, I wouldn't contemplate it. I'm quite happy to jump off a 40-foot cliff on a pair of skis, but going into the water, I always think I'm going to die. So that was already um, underlying. Aside from cycling was okay and running was all right, but uh, aside from the morbid fear of the water, honestly, I was so big, I thought they'd try and push me back in when I came onto, onto land, and I was well and truly over 100 kilos. So, yeah, there was that fear, but... Um, the driver really to get uh, to do it was more I'd committed to something and I always like to finish what I start. I mean, the back motivation was to get fitter. Uh, so I was around, be around longer for family and friends because I was at a point where my health was potentially going to um, be very, very detrimental or even cost me my life. So it was good to do something, but um, fear was always a factor in the early days. Well, so you did your first triathlon and were you hooked straight away or is it something that you took a little while to come around to? Look, the first one, no. Um, I wasn't hooked straight away and I have to admit after doing the first one, I took a year's absence because my wife had a significant birthday and at the time of the corporate triathlon, we were actually 
in Queensland, uh, lying on a beach somewhere. And uh, then the following year, I was invited to do it again. So I skipped a year and that's when it really clicked. I thought, well, I'm going to give this a go. I was getting more active. I'd lost a little bit more weight because I'd peaked in that sort of gap year. I'd peaked at my absolute top, top or heaviest. And uh, then I got into it. I got injured at a corporate soccer match, so I couldn't train for six weeks. The weight started creeping back on, so I thought, bugger, I'll give it a nudge. And uh, I said, okay, if I get under 55 minutes for this um, corporate triathlon, I'm going to um, try another one. And if I do that, I'll uh, sign up for the sprint series next year. And that's pretty much how it started. I did my goal time under 55 I did the following week, I actually did a sprint at 52, and then from then on, the rest is history. So did you, was it the change in, like, was it more exercise, or was it a combination of that and diet and and better lifestyle choices? Like, what, you know, does it come down to one thing, or is it just the whole lifestyle change? I think it's ultimately lifestyle, and that's certainly what I promote in my coaching business. I coach lifestyle, I don't coach physical fitness. I think it all goes hand in hand. I was a heavy drinker and a heavy smoker. Um, We always ate well because I'm a foodie and an ex-chef and a hotelier, but we ate too much of the well stuff and we drank too much of the well stuff. So it was a very dramatic lifestyle change. And as a consequence of that, um, the weight fell off me quite quickly. I mean, at one stage, I lost 25 kilos in two months. I was training twice a day in short bursts for a sprint. But I was eating differently. I was eating at the right times. I was eating the right stuff at the right times. I certainly wasn't smoking anymore. And I backed off the booze for a couple of months. And it made a dramatic change to how I was and how it continues. I mean, I'm not a teetotaler, but by all means, my life has changed dramatically in all aspects. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I find I find that in... Uh, say, for example, in the off-season, you might, let's say, say you take two or three or four weeks off, that um, the, like, the less you train and the less exercise you do, the more you're willing to eat crappy food because you don't feel you know, obliged to eat well. And I, I think it's something as well that your body doesn't quite, um, it's not calling for these really good foods to refuel you to, you know, to get you back on track for your next session. So it's, um, you know, it's... It, it all comes uh, hand in hand, I think, when you when you are training a lot, is is you're really compelled to eat well just because your body's um, calling for it. Do you, do you find that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've just uh, come off a recovery from Melbourne. Uh, I've spent three weeks uh, doing a little bit of exercise, but essentially uh, existing on ice cream and a few beers, <laughs> and uh, because it was nice to stop and reset the head. But you're absolutely correct. I mean, during the sort of lulling exercise and sure I got out there on the bike and did a a few laps running and and a few strokes swimming but I can get away with it whereas I cannot eat like that nor drink like that when I'm training because my body refuses to accept it and I not so much that I feel bad or feel like crap it's more assessed I really don't feel balanced when I'm out there training and I don't get the best out of myself and I know what I can achieve and how much harder I can go and you get that euphoria, that sense of, of achieving something every time you you uh, bank a good training session. And if you're eating crap, you can't do it, nor can you do it if you're eating crap. So it's kind of uh, catch-22 in that respect. Mm, definitely. And what about, uh, what about, say, work, for example? So 
uh, when you were, before you began your triathlon career, how were you going with, uh, with work? I mean, I'm just, um, just looking at the relationship between fitness and health and how that relates to, to work. Cause I mean, I see a lot of people who, um, may be very successful, uh, say business wise or career wise, but they're not doing well with their health. And I see it, um, just taking a real, real toll on them and their, and happiness isn't, uh, maybe as, as high as they, um, would like, but when they start to train for something, whether it's an Ironman or whether it's a, a long distance swim or, you know, marathon or something, um, their, their shifting quite often gets, their thinking gets shifted where it's, um, they might not spend as much time with on work, but they've got this other thing, their, their health and their fitness that, um, is, is important to them and their whole demeanor changes and they become much more friendly and happy to talk to. And, um, and work will often, uh, improve as a result of that. It, how did you, how were you going with work before you started tries and then how, you know, how are you going now with that sort of stuff? Well, it's interesting you ask, I mean, with Alti Life and the business we have and, and focusing on lifestyle, that all stemmed from me being in very high pressure project management like roles where crap eating, crap lifestyle, extremely long hours, high stress is the order of the day. But with long hours and high stress and, and not really looking after yourself, your productivity, unbeknownst to yourself, drops. And you get this thing, oh, I've got to finish this and I've got to finish that. But it's difficult to focus sometimes. So when I, my health improved and also those of the people that were competing with me in my, my team, our, our company at that stage that I was working for actually fielded nine teams in the corporate triathlon. So they're quite, they were quite committed in, to company health. Um, they had a gym in the building. Our productivity went up. We actually worked less hours and focused more on, on really putting, getting that work output um, at a high rate during those focused hours. So you become better at time management. You become better at uh, just getting rid of all the extraneous stuff around you, lightening that mental load and just focusing on the core elements of your work. And then, I mean, it's a known fact, improved fitness in sport is a great um, way of treating or at least um, stemming the onset of depression. And certainly that's the way I've dealt with my um, situation that I was when I was very heavy, not in the best state of mind. And by doing the sport, that has elevated that. So all those coupled together really help because we're designed to move. Human beings are designed to be physical as well as mental. And if you're not physical and you don't stimulate your muscles, your brain doesn't function 100%. And so it's improved my job prospects. I became more confident. I've My career skyrocketed from that point. I did very well. My relationships improved. Uh, my eating habits improved. And I actually spent less time at work and became less stressed because I was more productive because I had a clearer head. So there's a lot of win-wins along the way. And uh, a lot of people say, I don't have time. But I think you don't not have time if you don't make the time. I think ultimately, and that's certainly what I found, ultimately it will bite you on the ass. Yeah. And I mean, you can get a, you know, a good run in, say, 30 minutes, which surely everyone can find 30 minutes somewhere in their day, whether that's taking that away from uh, on Facebook, on your phone or um, things that aren't really necessary. But yeah, even in 30 minutes, you can clear your head and, um, and go out for a, a decent run. So um, 
yeah, I mean, it's it's so important just to um, just to fit it in wherever you can. And I mean, there's a guy, there's an author, Gary Vaynerchuk, who um, you may or not may or may not know, and he's um, he's an advocate of working your ass off and working for 14, 15, 16 hours a day, and just um, doing whatever you can to be. Uh, successful or achieve your goals, whatever. But you look at him, and he's—I think he might be early thirties or something. But he looks like shit. He's—he's he's got big, <laughs> big black, um, big black, um, uh, yeah, marks under his eyes, and he just looks tired and he looks worn down. And it's not sustainable. You, you know, it's—you um, can't—you um, can't kind of make those withdrawals from your your energy bank um and not give yourself the sleep and the recovery and the downtime to um to build that back up so it's um you know i i used to really be about just you know work as hard as you can train as hard as you can um but you know you've got to be smart about and about it and, and have a balance so it's um um just like you've you mentioned with how you've changed over the last couple of years it's um it's so important now, for that for those that are listening um do you want to let them know where you were at the start in terms of uh, uh, your weight and where you are now, just in how much you've lost? Um, okay. Well, I initially started at my absolute peak was 135 <laughs> kilos, and uh, over the course of 18 months, I lost 50 kilos, and now in the last, I'd say, two years, I've lost another 10. So overall, I've lost 60 kilos. My race weight's somewhere between 75 and 76, depending on... Uh, whether it's a hot or a cooler race. Um, my body shape has changed. I've actually even dropped a shoe size. Uh, I've gone from a size 44 jeans to a size 32 jeans. <laughs> and uh, my wife and I can get into, collectively, get into one of my old golfing shirts. So to put it in perspective, I've lost my wife's body weight. <laughs> and so it's, uh, it's quite extraordinary. I mean, I, I don't recognize myself and I've actually bumped into people who haven't seen me for 10 years who only know the fat me rather than the skinny me. We refer to it as the super fat bastard stage in my life. Um, <laughs> they won't recognize me because I've also changed visually. I look 10, 15, almost 20 years younger. I certainly feel younger than I've ever felt. I sleep better. I mean, it's completely changed. I was lucky if I was getting four hours sleep a night before I did this. So you, you can't afford not to be active. It doesn't mean you have to be a crazy Ironman like me, but that's just me being type A personality. But being active, climbing the stairs instead of the escalator, going for a walk, going for a 30-minute run, as you mentioned, all those boxes can be ticked. I think just people make excuses after excuses and just stare in their iPhone for better answers, and they've got to stop doing that. So what, what's a typical day look like for you now? Well, now I've taken even a more bolder step. I've got a coaching business. Uh, I'm embarking on a, um, a speaking career. Um, I am out there now as Australia's number one expert in the power of choice, making positive choices in your life. Uh, I do a little bit of corporate um, consulting on the side, uh, also an executive coach for companies and so forth. So my day's a little bit um, all over the shop, but it's quite structured around the two most important elements of the day, which is training and lifestyle, which is getting up in the morning. I do generally an hour to an hour and a half. My day gets mapped out based on appointments. I always try and have coffee or breakfast with my wife before we head our separate ways. I have a training block in the evening, which is my day's end line in the sand. 
Uh, and then on weekends, my weekends are fairly full. Uh, we have a base up at Mount Buller that we do clinics out of. I'm up there every second weekend, riding, running, swimming when the pool's open. And uh, the weekends are sort of very full on, but I always manage to squeeze in family time and squeeze in time to get on the web, throw a few blogs out there. So it's pretty full on, but um, it all centres around getting up and getting the day started with cleansing the head, moving the body, sweating a little bit, and uh, generally putting a smile on my dial first thing in the morning, and that starts at 5 o'clock every day. I love it. And- I love it. That's um, one of my mentors said. Habit will set you free. So you know, even if you work for yourself or, and you can set your own schedule, you've really got to have those set um, set training sessions or or weekly appointments, whatever it is. You've got to have that um, that schedule in place in order to free up everything else. So uh, it sounds like you've you've done just that. And I, I think the um, you know you've, you wake up at five o'clock every morning and you go and do your exercise and just starting the day off that way where you can, and I went, went for a run this morning and you see the sunrise and you've got the, the bay there. It's just, it's absolutely beautiful. And there's no better way to start off the day than um, getting your exercise done and, um, and clearing the head that way. And, and even just coming back and having breakfast uh, or a coffee with your wife. And uh, I mean, I, I did a, a similar sort of thing a couple, probably a year ago is I just said, all right, whenever I get back from coaching at night, uh, I'm not going to do work after that. Whereas I used to work until maybe 10 or 11 o'clock at night um, mm-hmm. and, you know, hardly see my wife because she's obviously away working. And, um, but it just wasn't, uh, the, the work I was getting done, I wasn't getting a lot of it done um, and it wasn't of a, a high quality. So I thought, well, what's the point? You know, I could probably get the same thing done in half an hour the next day. It's going to be better quality and, uh, you know, I'll get to see my wife when I uh, get home after coaching. So it's, um, and that makes such a, such a difference. Well, you kind of lose touch with each other if you get buried in work. Why are you working? I mean, I put recently a post on my Facebook and saying, you know, we we go to work to get a better life, but all we do is we work and we just sacrifice our life for our work. What's the point? And uh, ultimately, there should be a balance. Sure, achieve something at work, do something good, and you certainly are with your coaching, and I am attempting to do the same with my mentoring and coaching. But ultimately, you're doing it also to improve the life of you and your family. And that's my number one rule. I've established a series of rules in my mentoring. And rule number one is if it benefits you and your family, do it. And rule number two is even simpler. It says, if in doubt, refer to rule number one. (laughs) It's got to benefit the people around you, your loved ones. And if it doesn't, why are you doing it? And a lot of times we do things that are very, very self-destructive and also destructive to those around us. And physical fitness is, in its essence, and physical well-being in its essence is productive for you and those around you. Without it, you kind of lose your way as a human being, and I'm really a firm believer in that. Mm, absolutely. And what, uh, like now that you're down at, um, at probably your, your ideal weight and you know, everything is going, going well, what is it that's, that's driving you now that it's not getting your, your health and your fitness back? Well, now I've got to be get a little bit cleverer. I mean, for me, my ideal weight, um, I suppose when you talk about that with an Ironman athlete, that's a very subjective thing, uh, depending on which race. I'm actually planning to lose a little bit more because my ideal race weight's probably about 73. But that 
uh, means my wife will call me too skinny, but that's another debate for another session. <laughs> but um, for me now, the focus is, and I always am a firm believer in having a motivational trigger to move you along. So your line in the sand now that you told me earlier is uh, competing in an Ironman race uh, soon, and that's what drives you from a physical fitness point of view, plus you set an example to your clients as well by maintaining your fitness and, and, and your focus Mine is, my ultimate goal is to uh, do what many people still think is impossible and that's actually make it to Kona. And uh, by setting an example, and I only work by leadership by example, is by setting an example to those around me, will I drag them along the journey that some of them are somewhat reluctant to take, which is get fitted, but both mentally and physically. And we both know that Endurance sports is more of a mental um, fitness than a physical fitness. Yes, your body's conditioned, but it sharpens the mind, it sharpens the focus, it builds determination, it uh, builds resolve, and it ultimately, the most important things, builds choice and commitment. And uh, that, for me, I've I've told everyone who wants to know that that's what I'm going to do. So now I better put my money where my mouth is. That's right. You can't back out now. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I'm getting old. I turned 51 last uh, Sunday. So, uh, you know, I'm not a spring chicken. And uh, for me, I suppose I could do it two ways. One, I just keep training hard and training smarter. Or two, I just wait until all my competitors die off and I do it when I'm <laughs> 75. But I'm probably more to the former than the latter because eventually – um, you know, eventually they probably won't allow me to compete with a walking stick. So. <laughs> oh, that's that is awesome. Well, um, where can people find out um, about the the coaching and those sorts of things that you're doing, and uh, and keep in touch with you? Well, I've got uh, through Facebook. I have uh, myself, which is Christian Schwarzler. I also have uh, a Twitter account as well, which people can find me at the Choiceinator, which is a little bit of a pun on my surname and a little bit of <laughs> a bit of Arnie action happening in there. Plus I have my website, which is christianschwarzler.com. But if you type in the choiceinator, you will actually be sent to it. So I've got altilife.com, which is my coaching business, and Christian Schwarzler, which is more my executive coaching and, uh, and mentoring business. But ultimately they're linked. And uh, just jump on the web, look up my name, you'll find me even through LinkedIn as well. So there's plenty of avenues to get in touch and uh, whatever you want to do, the sky's the limit and don't let anyone tell you anything different. Awesome. Uh, I can't imagine there's uh, too many other Christian Schwarzers out there uh, no. if, if they need to Google you. So it's, uh, I'm sure you'll <laughs> pop up first. <laughs> yeah, they're just going to get the spelling right. That's all good. But uh... <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, um, I'll, uh, I'll make sure to link to all of those um, websites and, and social media sites in the, uh, on the website. And uh, Christian, thanks very much for being on the podcast. Pleasure, Brenton. Thank you very much for letting me uh, come on and say a few things. Awesome. Thanks for joining us on the Effortless Swimming Podcast. To get transcriptions, bonus videos, and to be the first to hear about new episodes, go to swimmingpodcast.com.